someone else instead of me always seems to know the way then I look at you and the world all right with me just one look at you and I know it's Good morning. This is State of the Arts NYC, and this is your host, Savannah Baylor McLean. And we are already having a party inside the studio. We have a very special broadcast for you today. We have the producing artistic director for the Classical Theater of Harlem, and we have one of the cast members for their new adaptation for A Christmas Carol. So I just want to thank Ty Jones and Anthony Vaughn Merchant for joining us in the studio. So good morning. Good morning. Good morning for having us. Thank you so very, very much. We're already having a good time. We were, we're, we're about to have a lovely day. I know. You're about to have resist. a lovely day. I couldn't I had resist. To, Got I had him. to cut Got it him. in order so that we could start. Uh, so um, the reason why we have both of them here in the studio is because the company is doing this holiday um, adaptation of a classic by Charles Dickens, but they wanted to, you know, share more with New Yorkers and the local community about the issues of today. So therefore, there would be more relevance to the story, and therefore they could find more meaning, but hopefully solutions to some of the issues that we are dealing with today. Wouldn't you say that so, Todd? Yes. Um, One of the things that I always do whenever we do choose plays is that I look at what's going on in the world. And um, Mm -hmm. I believe that classic plays um, are always commenting on the ruling class or commenting on what's going on in the world. And it's interesting when you see plays that are uh, 2,500 years old, like Sophocles, you know, 400 years old, like Shakespeare, or even 150 like Dickens, they always seem to be you know, commenting on the ruling class. And we've got a lot to say <laughs> today. Yes, y- yes, we do. <laughs> so we took we took uh, A Christmas Carol. We actually called it A Christmas Carol in Harlem. Okay. And we took the issues that, you know, black and brown folks have been going through because at one point in time, I think people considered Harlem like the mecca of black, you know, intellectual thought, mm-hmm. economics, so on and so forth. Um, and it's really important, I believe, mm-hmm. in my worldview, that conversation is how we start to try to find you know, solutions to, uh, to to issues. And and I've always um, believed, biased as I may be, that arts is a perfect way of doing that. Well, you're not wrong about Harlem being perceived as like the mecca for black America because the new Negro movement kind of began here. And then the Harlem Renaissance came out of the new negro movement which was the artistic and literary uh, side of that radical political militant movement and then um, we were able to use that uh, opportunity in time to create a platform to talk about issues like lynching like labor like education so you're not wrong at all and bringing up a Christmas carol kind of deals with all of those subjects yeah. as well. Yeah, if you uh, you know read some of the the biographies on, on Dickens, yes. you know, he says that he wrote this specifically to address the times. Yes, and, um, and he suffered through yeah, that too. Yeah, and um, I, I, I am of the mind that 
Um, you know, all progress does begin with a conversation. I'll be the first to say, I don't have the solutions, right. but I do believe that with 7 billion people on the planet, somebody can come up with ideas that w- where we find that we're all far more alike than we are different. Yes. So we need to operate in that way. So, I agree. And, um, you know, as you heard me say before, if I can use the arts as a platform, because sometimes um, I think it's a a really useful way, not sometimes, all the time, it's a useful way to bring people of all different backgrounds mm-hmm. together in one place with mm-hmm. no agenda mm-hmm. to experience a, a substantive, fantastic piece of art. Um, there have been some studies that have said that when people are in an audience like that, watching art, watching theater especially, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. their hearts actually begin to beat in sync. Oh. So if I can be a facilitator of that, which could lead to conversations that can um, you know, move us uh, in, in a... Um, in a, in a, in a in a direction that mm-hmm. that fu- that leaves us in a much better place than 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 we are, or you know, then I, then I'm okay with that. I'm okay. good with that. Yeah. Okay. And for the benefit of our audience, I just want to say that uh, Ty has always been involved with productions that dealt with politics or the issues of the times. I was most taken back by the production where you were the producer for the blacks oh you remember that a clown yeah it's called show. the blacks a clown show it was uh jean genet mm-hmm. and uh yeah that was still to this day probably the f- most physically emotionally and spiritually difficult play i've ever done it was different every single night and you know sometimes the show was two hours other nights the show was like 85 minutes you know, just depended on how the audience responded. And the way that the, 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 the stage was set up, if you wanted to leave the theater, mm. you actually had to walk on the stage to leave the theater. Wow. So, uh, and, you know, some people did leave the theater, and, and we would literally stop the show and, and rag on those folks who left the theater. What, you're afraid to talk about black history? We know about all about your history. There was one point in the show uh, where we literally asked someone in the audience, and they had to be white, to hold the knitting it's it, it basically was a symbol of uh of imagine a microphone and mm-hmm. of being able to uh, uh to speak right and so we would test people we would we would ask them okay who are the scottsboro boys you know mm. who was nat turner you know uh who was uh ella baker who was uh mary mcleod Bethout, uh bethune and people wouldn't know these answers and then we would just go after them like wow look at you and you expect us to value you Look at your superlatives. Try to be like you. Well, it was a tough rough. Oh, it was. <laughs> I mean, rough. It, it's it was really interesting. So I, I won an Obie Award for that. OK, which is kind of the off Broadway equivalent yes. of a Tony. Right. Yes. And usually I mean, and, and I was naive. I thought, wow, this will be something that could help springboard me. I could meet different agents and stuff like that. I'd go in the agent's office who had seen the show and they'd go after me. Like I, you thought that was theater stuff like that. I'm telling you, I was like, why am I in this office speaking with you? It's like, just give me my reel back. Let me walk out of here. Serious as a heart attack. It's, 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 it's wow. fascinating. That's to, deep. Yeah, that theater had that effect. That, well, that, all the, you know. good art has that kind of effect. Yeah. And I want to bring in Anthony in onto the conversation and because you're playing the lead role. You are playing Ebenezer Scrooge. Scrooge. Yes, ma'am. And how does it feel to play this character? Um, this iconic character. It feels wonderful. It feels absolutely fantastic to play this character. Um, I would 
put it on par with with one of my favorites, um, Big Mac, Macbeth. Mm, um, that's my favorite Shakespeare. It is play. mine as well, um, and ties as well. <laughs> so I love it. Um, but I put it on par with that because it it uh, is it paints a portrait of the necessary evil, the evil that that is reflected in humanity, the evil, the the worst of us, and someone has to put on the mask and the mirror, the mirror and the mask, um, and hold as it were the mirror up to nature and say you know this is us this is this can be you this can be the worst of you if you choose to go down that road and who better to put on that mask than me so um, (laughs) why do you say that (laughs) uh because because uh i think i believe that i i am very good at honing in on the the significant truth of Mm. that character of um the the universal truth of that uh selfishness mm-hmm. and showing it so that so that everyone could be like yes i know that person i i know who i see that in myself or i see that in someone or i see that that core truth it doesn't necessarily have to be an accent or an attitude or a look but it's a it's something it's something imperceptible it's it's a it's a non-tangible that you that you can recognize and go but no but i know that attitude i know that I know that selfishness. I know that greed. I Mm -hmm. know that. So, yeah, that's why me. You know, that's important. Um, And both of you, please chime in because of the 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 way our country is functioning today. Our country is being led by a narcissist. And I think what's happening is that for a lot of people who still support him, they can't recognize that. They can't recognize that somebody is conning them, that somebody is being very selfish and manipulative and taking advantage of them. And I've been reading a lot of articles, psychology articles about this dynamic that we're dealing with. And they're saying that that's really important, that we help people to recognize what they're seeing because otherwise they're going to be abused and it's going to continue and when we look at the history of this country particularly after the civil war that's really what it's all about because donald trump um is trying to impact what made the republican party in the first place the 13th the 14th and the 15th amendment for which he wants to tamper with 13th abolished slavery, the 14th made everybody a citizen, and the 15th gave everybody the right. So do you feel that that's one of your charges for doing this particular production right now? Which one wants to chime in? Oh, no, no, Ty's Ty's raring. He's (laughs) chomping at the bit. Okay, okay. All right. uh, I'm going to push back a little bit. Okay. All right? I believe that the conditions were met a long time ago mm-hmm. to allow somebody like Donald Trump to be in power. I agree. Okay? I agree. Um, I appreciate Donald Trump because he tells me to my face exactly what he's going to do. Okay. I prefer racism in my face. I do too. It's the cutthroats, mm. the ones who act in a the ones who uh, masquerade as your friend, the ones who masquerade as your ally, those are the ones that I think are dangerous. The limousine liberals, those are the ones that I think are the ones that I have, um, that gets my back up straight, all Mm. right? So um, at the end of the day, 
when I see programs like MSNBC, for example, right, and they're supposed to be essentially counter to what Fox News does. When I see them start bringing on people from the Bush administration as if these people who I believe should be in jail like Cheney, Bush, Wolfowitz, Rumsfeld, uh, Pearl, they should be in jail for what they did. We're talking Katrina, two wars, that crazy ass tax cut. And somehow we want to look at them uh, as that that was an example of a good administration. No, it's criminal, criminal. So when I see Donald Trump, okay, look, he 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 came in with the sheath off. Wow. All right. I don't I don't mind that. Sheet I on know him. exactly what what I'm dealing with. Sheet on hood off. There we go. <laughs> you reminded me of when you did that production, Emancipation. Go oh, ahead. Well, you saw that one too. Ah! Oh, that's my girl right here. <laughs> so that that that's where I am with this. Is that I don't believe we're living in unprecedented times. I think that what my mom and my dad went through. They are they're from rural Mississippi. Mm-hmm. They didn't have choices like I have. Okay? okay. I do believe. I'm I'm one of the people that believes that we are making progress. But racism is like a cancer. It also shifts and changes with the changes that we go through. And that's what people, I think, need to understand. It is a disease. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's a cancer. It's a pathology. It's a a virus. So when when we say that, you know, we got to get these folks to understand, I'm going to be a bit of a hypocrite here because I say that I want to use the arts to have people of all different backgrounds come together. And you hope that there's a, a, a substantive conversation that could come out of that. But do I believe that people do things because they can? I do. I do. And I look at black and brown folks, and for some reason, we are treated differently. We are, you know, I I don't know what it is. I don't know what that part of psychology is. Mm -hmm. But I will say this. Playing the long game has its merits. But I do understand people who strike back. You know, I understand the Nat Turners of the world, but I also understand the folks who are like W.E.B. Du Bois that want to find intellectual ways to, uh, you know, gain progress and stuff like that. So I think when you attack racism, it's from all multiple angles. You have to come at it in so many different ways. But do I believe there are people out there who, without question, um, choose to do these things because they can? Oh, yeah. I I, I, uh, yeah, I don't think they're being bamboozled. They know they have the power and they will do it because they can. Well, I, I don't think we have any doubts on what Todd thinks, do we? I don't think so. What about you, Anthony? Um, I I agree in the sense that uh, look, I've Ty as well, but like I've done my time all over these United States and some internationally. I lived in Ireland for a year, traveled mm. around Europe. I've traveled around Europe several different times. My mother and I just got back from Vietnam. I was mm. born and raised in Southern California. Did my graduate school in, in Kansas City. <clears throat> Um, and uh, did a year <laughs> did a year in Cincinnati. Like, uh, and my my grandmother and mother and my grandmother and father now live in in Florida. So, like, I've been around. Um, I've done my time, and I I concur in the idea that like racism takes different forms. Mm-hmm. Um, and regionally, people do racism differently. And uh, and oh, I'm I'm a masterfully bring this back to the show. This is gonna be great. Watch this. So. Uh, I believe that that quotation marks Southern racism, that like out and out racism is I, I agree with Ty wholeheartedly. It's just easier to deal with. Like right. you come marching down the street with your robes and your burning crosses, then I can cross the street and that's my day like done versus this racism that we see in, in 
intentionally or not, but that we see in, in on the coasts, on mm-hmm. the, the bastion, quotation marks, because we're on the podcast, quotation marks, bastions of liberalism, like um, like Los Angeles, California, New York, where the racism takes on a different form mm-hmm. and it is usually guised in some kind of um, social, it's it's connected to social economics as policy. well. Policy. And we'll make policies that are not inherently racist. It's not, no, 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 we don't have a blacks only blah, 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 but we are going to build the projects here. And then we know that we're going to underfund this school so because it's connected to these projects. And then that's going to affect the jobs that people can work. And then the next thing you know, oh, all of a sudden, I mean, we, we can go to, to, to the making of Central Park if we wanted to go that far, that far back. But, you know, remember that Central Park was not Central Park. Central no. Park was owned by a bunch of black people who had, it was Harlem before Harlem. Well, and they were Seneca rent- plus Irish and Germans, too. Well, but, 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 black, but black people. people owned the housing, the right. reverse of what's happening. Black right. people owned that housing, yes. and they were renting to Irish and Germans, and then they were like, you know, we're going to make a policy where we're going to, we're, a policy, mind you, where we're going to take all of the, all of these homes and we're going to build a park. All of a sudden, we uh, a significant a, a significant number of black people are then displaced. They're taken out of their homes. They don't have their income because they were they've been renting. Like rental income was how they're making money, similar to Scrooge, but different. This is how I brought it back. Masterful. Check that. And and now we're like, oh, now we're in Hoovervilles. Now we're like, now people are are living in in the depression. In the park that be where they used to have, they used to own their homes. So on these, in the the liberal areas, it takes on a different form. Mm-hmm. And in the liberal areas, they're always quick to say no. But look how so and so is doing, because there will always be an example of an exception. Mm-hmm. There will always be someone to be like, no, no, no. But look how well, look how well Ty Jones is doing. Look how well Anthony Von Merchant is doing. Look how well blah blah. blah. Like oh, there's always someone who's like doing well quotation mark that they can point to and be like, see, it's not. And you're like, but. This is still disproportionate. Right. Um, if I, I an argument that I had, for example, that I had with uh, a a very good, once very good friend of mine, um, <laughs> he's he's the the son of my godfather, um, but he was talking about police violence, and he was like, "Why why are black people so angry when like?" Only, you know, if only X amount of black people have been killed by cops and more white people have been killed by cops. I'm like, yo, we're you got to remember, we're like 10 percent of the population. So even though it was, let's say, you know, let's say it was it was I'm like, you you're talking about if 20 percent of white people were killed by cops. I bet you something would have been like we would have changed something real quick. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's it's not. Yeah. So policy becomes um, the the. The modus operandi of racism in 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 blue places. I be, I it, so you it, you they can't make it illegal to be black. Right. We'll just make it really difficult. We'll just yeah. <laughs> I got so you. so that's all it is. And for me, um, I I I don't want to hear people compromise on our behalf, uh, or anything like that. I hear people talk about wanting to have a diversity of ideas and things like that. And, you know, and I look at the folks at Fox and it's like, well, this allows some sort of, no, that's not, that's ignorance. That's not, that's not, that's not a diversity of ideas. That's just ignorance. I'm sorry, but if I am having a conversation with an 11 year old who may not be as worldly, who may not understand uh, policy, who doesn't, you know, uh, pay bills and stuff like that. No, that's, if I have a, that's not a diversity of ideas. You know what I'm saying? If you're if you're going to be juvenile in the way that you're going to explain things, that's ignorance. Mm. So, I I will push back on that always. At so, the end, so I I I admire when people 
really do want to talk and say, you know, if we, you know, and you see those memes on Facebook and stuff about, oh, look, look at this when, when, when this person was really kind to a black person and all, all those things. And I think it's lovely. And, and, you know, you get those, you know, perfunctory, uh, uh, you know, things on, you know, it gives you a little tear. Single cool. tear. Cool. Cool. That, that, that isn't life. Okay. All right. Those so, are moments. So what do you want people to, to come away with when they see this production, this holiday production? Do you want them to feel happy? Do you want them to feel I angry? Think, do you want them no, to No, I feel think my job is for them to be able to walk away knowing that we are all, I said it earlier, we're far more alike than we are different. That's it. I cannot, I don't want to teach anybody. I'm not trying to proselytize anyone. What I simply want is for them to see, experience a great piece of art. Mm-hmm. Um, do I hope that they get that, you know, the, the leadership, you know, is a diverse one that, that put it up, you know, mm-hmm. because there is a part of me, I won't lie. There's a chip on my shoulder because there are folks who believe that, you know, black folks and brown folks can't run these institutions. Right. right. So I want folks to know that this excellent show that you saw. Right. Because that's what it's about right. for me. There is something about excellence that that my mom instilled in me Mm -hmm. so let's let's be excellent in everything we do let that be the example let people experience that and walk away and go like oh wow i've i've learned just from that alone and and i'm good with that because i'm not going to be able to go to the you know four or five six hundred people uh who come to our show and expect them to really believe everything i believe i don't i think that that is um not a good use of time let me present a piece of art let that art work on you Okay. And if that art can work on you in a way that, that, you, can that, that, a that you can start with a conversation mm-hmm. or maybe you're sitting next to somebody that you normally wouldn't sit next to, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And if the other thing is, too, who knows, that piece of art could uh, the next uh, Lorraine Hansberry could be in the audience. That's the next, true. you know, um, Langston could be in the audience. And if if the war art that we've put up, because you can't put that on a spreadsheet, you know what right. I'm saying? Right. If you if that art that we've put up has done, you know, launched that, I'm good. Okay. I'm good with that. All right. We had a lively conversation, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You haven't, are we? I thought this was the singing part of the Yeah, are we, are we here? Are we already? <laughs> I was, I was, you mean it's ready, over? I was getting ready for the bathing suit competition. <laughs> it seemed weird as it was a podcast, but I was still ready. Me too, yeah. in a way. Yeah, no, I brought my speech. All right, then. So maybe we, so another time. So tell us, how many more days are left for this production? Uh, we, we close on Saturday. So we close on Saturday. You're having we an have, extra show, we aren't you? We have added a matinee. We added a matinee because people demanded it. The people love us. Can I say one other thing? Do I, okay, okay, so look. Now you got me rolling. I, I, got, I think what's I beautiful too, about right. another thing that we're doing, and, and it actually takes real hard work, is for us to build our audience. Yes. Right? Yes. So, you know, I'll, the way when we were, talk, we were talking about racism and others, see, the thing about black and brown folks is that, you know, we have been plundered economically. We've been plundered uh, educationally. And artistically as well, too. So there's a pipeline that's created, right, with, let's just say, reviews. Mm-hmm. All right. For some reason, somebody who has never produced a show, written a show, um, has done nothing whatsoever to actually put people on stage, has so much power to critique your show, validate your show, right? So I believe, without question, that artistically, there are folks out there who are like, we're not going to say the kind of things that would elevate you know, a show that might be not downtown okay. you know and so you. And, and in doing those things i know good and well that to play the long game means i've got to earn my audience that no matter what kind of review that we get 
my audience is going to always show up and be like, no, this is our theater. And no matter what they say, they're not going to validate us, especially when you know that they have an agenda against you. Okay. Wow. You said a whole lot in a short period of time, and I can't deny anything that you have said. So I, I want our audience to know the show goes through Saturday. There's an extra matinee. It's going to be at Aaron Davis Hall, correct? That's 135th Street and Convent Avenue, Aaron Davis Hall. Okay, that's a part of the City campus College. of campus. City yes, College yes. of the City University of New York. We uh, They could go to your website. What is your website? CTH nyc.org cthnyc.org and that way they can see the different times they could go to the box office as well correct they could get a ticket this is meant for the whole family that's right everyone this is a time for us to reflect because the next two years are going to be as Betty Davis once says, going to be a bumpy ride. So I just want to thank both Ty and Anthony. Thank you. Can I say, can I say one thing? Sure. If you don't mind, just sure. in, in closing, just Ty laid down his closing statements. And uh, for me, what it is for me, and I remember this very, uh, very deeply, several years, 20 years ago when I was just getting into acting, a dear friend of mine said this, and I grappled it to my soul with hoops of steel. She said, this is my church. And I've always believed that I and, you know, we could we could do a whole nother segment on the church and what it means to the community. But I'll say for me, theater is my church and every single audience is a new congregation and it is an opportunity to share and be one with the community of that moment. And it was never the same. It will never be this. Tomorrow night is going to be different than the night than tonight. It will always be different. So it is about it is about um ownership it is about sharing it is about giving it is about being together and 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 creating community in that moment okay well with that that's the last word for this show i just want to thank both of you this was a very lively (laughs) very lively we didn't even get started right and and it was very scratch the surface spirited and you guys were thoughtful reflectful and you you took this iconic classic to a different level not just in your production, but just talking about it. And I really am happy that the two of you were able to come. Thank you for having us. The show is actually really, really fun, though. I know. All right? My nephew went. He liked it. <laughs> All right, good, it. good. <laughs> He's 11. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Take care. All right, then. Bye-bye.